Welcome to the Sydney Ideas podcast series. Sydney Ideas is the University of Sydney's public events program, providing you with the opportunity to hear leading thinkers from our university and around the world. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening and welcome to Sydney Ideas. My name is Jackie Ramage and it's my absolute pleasure to be the head of School of Maths and Stats at the University of Sydney and to be your uh, host for the evening. Um, Before we begin the proceedings proper, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we stand, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. It's upon their ancestral lands that the University of Sydney is built, and we acknowledge that learning and teaching has happened here for many, many years before we arrived. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and future and hope that we have many future elders amongst our ranks. Now to our guest, Professor Gunther Ullmann. Uh, Professor Ullmann studied mathematics at the Universidad de Chile in Santiago and then undertook PhD studies at MIT. He's worked at MIT, at Harvard and New York University and held a current instructorship at the Courant Institute. Um, Since 2006, he's been the Walker Family Professor at the University of Washington. Uh, He's been a very recognized mathematician, so he was recognized with a Sloan Fellowship and a Guggenheim Fellowship. He's a Fellow of the Institute of Physics and a corresponding member of the Chilean Academy of the Arts and Sciences, and also of the Finnish Academy of Sciences and Letters and the Washington State Academy of Sciences. So these are all recognitions from peers. Uh, He was a plenary speaker at both the International Congress on Industrial and Applied Mathematics in Zurich in 2007, and also at the International Congress of Mathematical Physics in 2015, which gives you an indication of the breadth uh, of his work within the mathematical sciences. He's been a Clay Senior Scholar and he was awarded both the Bocher Memorial Prize and the Kleinman Prize. We're absolutely delighted to have him with us today um, to speak about inverse problems, his area of expertise, and Harry Potter's cloak, which is everybody's area of expertise. (laughs) So thank you very much. Please welcome Professor Ullman. Thank you very much for the very kind introduction, and... Thank you for coming in this beautiful day in Sydney. This is one of my favorite cities in the world. So I'm uh, going to talk about inverse problems, which is what I work on, and another side of the coin of inverse problems, which is how to make objects invisible. So let me start with inverse problems. What are inverse problems? So it's in some sense to see the unseen. So a typical inverse problem is the following. Uh, you know a wave that is being sent to some medium, some object, and you, you measure the response, and you want to know what the medium is. Okay, so you observe something, you know what's, happen- what's being the ways that are being sent, and then you try to find what this is. Without penetrating the object, without destroying it, or anything like that. Direct problems is, uh, is you know the ways that are being sent in, and then you can predict what's happened afterwards if you know the medium. So it's the inverse problem, it's the opposite. Okay, so let me tell you first about waves. So there are all, all kinds of waves, of course, the, the familiar ocean waves and waves in a pond, but there are waves that you don't see. For instance, uh, your cell phones right now are receiving electromagnetic waves. There are all kinds of waves, radio waves to X-rays and so on, and you're hearing me, that's propagation of sound waves. So there are waves uh, everywhere. Everywhere here you are receiving waves. 
So the a technical point of a wave, this is called the wavelength of a wave. So uh, a prism is known that it refracts into a rainbow, different types of color, and different colors of light have different wavelengths. The inverse of the wavelengths is the frequency, so these have smaller wavelengths and higher frequency as you go from red to violet. An example of an inverse problem and is vision. We are solving inverse problems all the time. The field is an electromagnetic wave, light. And we're going to talk a lot about light here. The measurements are captured on our retina, in our eye. And from that information, our uh, brain builds a three-dimensional map of the scene. And visual processing occupies a large part of our brain. So we actually, we, uh, one part of neuroscience tries to find out what, how do we do this? How do we solve this inverse problem all the time? It's a very interesting one. And other uh, mammals use different kinds of waves. For instance, dolphins use sound waves to find their way around because the ocean is very dark, they cannot use light, so they send sound waves, and from the reflection of those waves, they create an image again. We would like to know how they do that, and in fact, we have built equipment to do the same, as I'm going to point out in, in a few slides. And for different kinds of waves, for different wavelengths of frequencies, a bat, that's exactly the same as much higher frequency or much smaller wavelengths. So they send very ultrasound waves. And from again, from the echoes, they build an image and they capture their prey. Okay, so the equipment that has been built uh, for sound waves is sonar. For, uh, and the Titanic was found at the bottom of the ocean this way. You send sound waves and from the reflection of those waves, you create an image, and this is the image, and finally the Titanic was found after many trials. So sonar has been very important to see under the ocean, underwater. And for electromagnetic waves, Radar is an example. You send electromagnetic waves to an object, say a plane, and you measure again the reflection. And from that, you create an image of the object, and especially where it is, and several properties of this object. Medical imaging is another area where uh, inverse problems uh, has been important, for instance, in the development of CT scans. So you have a source of X-rays. X-rays are very high-frequency waves, a small, very small wavelengths. They travel approximately in a straight line. So there is a source of X-rays and a detector of X-rays. You move the source around and the detector around, and the problem, can you recover the density of these objects from the attenuation of these X-rays? And uh, this the solution of this mathematical problem led to the development of CT scans that revolutionized the practice of medicine. So this is uh, a CT scan, and this is a picture of the brain that has, was, was obtained using CT scan, and then you don't need to penetrate uh, the, your brain to, to find that information. And for the development of CT scans, Cormac and Hounsfield received in 1979 the Nobel Prize in Medicine. It was, was a complete revolution of how we see the inside of a body. And a discrete example of what they, they were doing is you have an X-ray source here. You have a form of a Sudoku. There are some numbers here. You don't know the numbers, but you know the sum. So, for instance, in this case, it's 4 plus 4 plus 5, hopefully 13, if I know my math. And there are other lines here 
4 plus 4 is 8, and so on and so forth. And so from that information, you try to find what the numbers is. So that's an inverse problem. And that's, the, that's a, a discrete example of the problem that uh, Cormick and Hounsfield solved many years ago. Another example in medical imaging that has also revolutionized medicine is magnetic resonance imaging. Some of you may have done this. Is you, you create an image using a strong magnetic field. And magnetic field is an example of an electromagnetic wave. So you put here, it's a very strong field. You, you have to be very careful not having any metal or anything like that because otherwise that will affect the image or the, the things will fly away. And from that, you can create very detailed images, in this case, for instances of the knee. All the bones in the knees, I don't know where you can see them, there can be seen very, the structure of the bones very clearly. So again, this is another method that revolutionized medicine. And Lotterberg and Mansfield received the Nobel Prize in Medicine for this development. And another method which is, is, is uh, the same as bats use is ultrasound. Very high frequency sound waves is used every day for pregnant women. So you put sound waves here, you measure the echo, and from that you create an image. I'm sure that ultrasound, the development of ultrasound will also be awarded the Nobel Prize in medicine in the future. Okay. Another type of inverse problems is arises in global seismology. Can we determine the inner structure of the Earth by measuring the travel times of seismic waves? We cannot penetrate very deeply into the Earth. We have not been able to realize yet Julius Verne's dream of going through the center of the Earth. However, we have earthquakes. Of course, earthquakes produce a lot of damage, but they give you information. So you measure what's called the travel time, how much time does it take to go from one place to another in the Earth, these uh, seismic waves. And from that, you, you want to recover this structure here, where the inner core, the outer core, the mantle, and their properties are. So this is the... You measure this travel time more precisely of the waves. This is an example of uh, seismic waves. So they travel through the earth, and they are very strong waves and can penetrate very deeply. So very soon you will see waves going through the center of the earth. So we can tell a lot of the properties of the inner part of the earth from this information. So one day we hopefully will be able to determine when an earthquake is happening. I come from Chile, as uh, you were already told, and Chile has given a lot of data to seismologists. In fact, this is Chile here, a very long and narrow country. One of these days is going to go under the sea because of the earthquakes. There was a, an earthquake in 1960 in, in the south of Chile near Valdivia. It was the strongest earthquake ever recorded. It was 9.5 in the Richter scale. That produced a tsunami, one of the largest tsunamis ever, that also produced earthquakes in Japan and other areas of the Pacific. Not only in the, you can try to see the, the structure of the Earth, but you can see the, try to see the structure of the universe. We receive a lot of information from light. Light travels to faster speed, but sometimes it takes billions of years of, to reach the Earth. And we have this information, and from that you can try to recover the structure of space-time. And now, with the discovery of gravitational waves, we have another wave to prove the universe. Gravitational waves are the sound, in some sense, of the universe. This is the first gravitational wave that was recorded, was the collision of two black holes. 
that produce a very strong gravitational waves that billions of years later uh, was detected here. Okay. The problem that's the most related to invisibility is, is electrical impedance tomography, the inverse problem. Is can you recover the conductivity of a medium by making voltage and current measurements at the boundary? If you have ever done an electrocardiogram, this is what is done. So you put voltage and you measure the induced current and you try to find the conductivity. The conductivity tells you how much electricity is being conducted from one point to, an, to another. For instance, water is very highly conducting, blood is very highly conducting. So this is mathematics called Calderon's problem. Calderon was a f famous Argentinian mathematician that thought of this problem when he was working for the oil company in Argentina to find oil, but has been proposed as a method to, for early breast cancer detection because unfortunately mammography misses a lot of cancers and the basis of this is normal breast tissue has a much lower conductivity than cancerous breast tumor because uh, tumors need blood to grow and blood is very highly conducting and so you see the conductivity which is the inverse of the resistivity is much higher. So this is a cartoon of the, the a method to find oil, another method to find oil. Here you have electrodes around. You put voltages and currents and you try to find this uh, oil here, which has very different conductivity in the surrounding rock. And in medical imaging, here you put electrodes here, and then again you put voltages and measure the induced current. This is very safe method that doesn't use X-rays, ionizing, that uh, can produce uh, themselves uh, health problems. So from that you try to find whether there is a tumor. This is Calderon, a very famous uh, analyst, mathematician of the 20th century. And it's very different than X-rays because the currents go all over the place immediately. And a discrete model of this is the following. You have a network of resistors, in some sense like an internet here, and you measure only what is outside. You, you put voltages there outside, in the nodes outside, and measure the current flux there. And the question is, can you recover these resistors, the resistances here, from that information. This is the problem that uh, we have tried to solve for many years. And in nature, electrical fishes use, there are electrical fishes that use this method to find their, their way around, their prey or the food. Here is some food is going to be thrown, and then it uses an electrical, it measures electrical field to find where the food is. And you, there are many neat pictures of uh, electrical fishes of what they do in this web page. And here is a, a, a description of what the electrical field uh, looks like. It gets very strong when the, you have the prey here. Okay, so this is what is done. You have here electrodes. And you put currents, it's a very safe method. David Isaacson, who has been one of the people promoting this method. And, it, and you measure the electrical current, and then from that you create an image. The images are not high resolution because the currents go all over the place immediately, but they give you useful information whether blood is going in and out of the lungs. So here is a movie. That shows, uh, so you can see, for instance, when a lung is collapsing, there is no blood going to the lung. Okay, so now we come to the other side of the coin. That's most people are probably interested in this part. <laughs> but I see this, uh, I see the invisibility 
as the opposite. For inverse problem, you try to find what is inside by making some kind of measurements. In invisibility, you do the opposite. You try to hide it from any kind of measurement that you are making. So, of course, invisibility has been the subject of interest to humans for thousands of years, starting with at least the Greeks, Perseus versus Medusa, and so on. So, let me show some recent clips uh, of movies on, that deal with invisibility. Well, invisibility is coming indeed. So the, the first clip that you saw was uh, based on the, on the no, famous novel by H.G. Wells, Invisible Man. And uh, he was a chemist, the Invisible Man, and he made himself invisible by a chemical procedure that changed his index of refraction. We're going to talk a lot about index of refraction, meaning how does any object refracts light or reflects light or scatters light. So he makes the in, his index of refraction the same as of air. So the rays of light will go straight through here because the index of refraction is the same as of air. That is, you cannot see the difference. You see the clothes here because the clothes reflect. The way you see it, as I mentioned this at the very beginning, is by the reflection of light in your eyes. And here there is no reflection because the index of refraction is the same as of air. So of course I don't recommend this procedure, it's very dangerous. And in fact, the invisible man tried to change this and he couldn't. It's a sad story. The invisible woman, my son who is a comic fanatic told me about this I didn't know, is uh, is in the Fantastic Four, the the comedy Fantastic Four, and Susan Storm Richards is the Invisible Woman, and she makes herself invisible, as you saw in the clip, by creating a field of energy around her, so not, not light, the light cannot penetrate; it goes around. And then, therefore, it's not, she's, not, she's invisible because there is no light reflected or refracted or scattered or nothing. But how does she do this? We don't, we're not told. But that, that's a good idea, to deflect light. And a more scientific way of doing this, the same thing as deflecting light, is in a Star Trek. The, the, this is the first analogy I make with uh, the Einstein theory of general relativity. In Einstein theory of relativity, you have a very strong gravitational field. So like uh, the sun, uh, light will bend around because space will be warped by the strong mass. And so the way the Star Trek becomes invisible is they put gravitons, which are mythical substances, we don't find them in, in the Earth, that create a very strong gravitational field, and therefore light will be deflected, will not penetrate, and then it will make it invisible. So these are gravitons, but here at least we're told how to do it, and then uh, when you want to become visible, they turn off the gravitons. It's a very smart idea. So how are we going to try to do this? There are two principles here. One is the change the index of refraction, like an invisible man, make it the same as of air. And the second one is the one from the invisible woman and Star Trek, which is to deflect light. So the way we are going to try to do this is al Harry Potter. We're going to create a cloak. 
instead of a chemical procedure, a clock around you that has an index of refraction such that the rays of light will go around and not penetrate and make Harry Potter invisible. So this is the way uh, he becomes invisible by a clock that deflects light. How to do that? And then that's what I, I want to show you. And this is myself half invisible here. <laughs> and and my, my hand, no, here I am half invisible too, and this is my hand half invisible. This is in, was in the posters, I think. Of course, in nature you can find some forms of invisibility in camouflage, many animals camouflage themselves. Look at this fish that looks like the stones around, around it. And you can also make yourself invisible. You have seen magic tricks by putting mirrors in particular places. So because the way, again, the way you see it is by reflection. So you put the mirrors in such a way that the light will be reflected somewhere else. So this, you cannot see this because it's being reflected somewhere else. Of course, if you will be sitting somewhere else, you could see it. And in fact, using mirrors, you can make something invisible. Uh, can any object invisible? Like in this case, the, the red bag here, but only in this particular direction. So the, you put the mirrors in this way, so the light reflects and then you, you cannot see this at all. So this uh, bag, the red bag, is completely invisible to these two bags here, because uh, you have reflection by mirrors. Of course, you want to become invisible, you cannot put mirrors all the time all over the place. Nowadays, we can put cameras to make yourself invisible, but uh, we want to have a, a method, a scientific method, to, to, to make this object invisible from all possible directions. Not just this particular direction, but any possible direction. Uh, the method that I'm going to describe is, has been called in the scientific literature transformation opticals. There were articles in Science, 2006, these two articles, and I, uh, with Greenleaf and Lassas, we, we did this for Calderon's problem that I showed you before. That's one of the reasons I, and that was an earlier work. That's exactly the same idea as in the paper of Penry et al. What is transformation optics? So Science Magazine has, has a very good description of this. It's called the ultimate camouflage. The real breakthrough may lie in the theoretical tools used to make the clock. So this is the Harry Potter's clock. In such transformation optics, researchers imagine a Einstein warping empty space to bend the path of electromagnetic waves. So that's what we want to try to do, the same as a, a large mass like the sun does in space, warp space, but using a very strong gravitational field. We don't have that, but we want to do this for light, for electromagnetic waves. So we're going to warp space around so that light will be deflected. And this is an analogy with relativity. You saw it already in Star Trek. The bending by filling and, and warp space with a material whose optical properties vary from point to point. This is the clock. The technique could be used to design antennas, shields, and other devices. Anyway, you look at it, the ideas behind invisibility are likely to cast a long shadow. Of course, we don't want a shadow. <laughs> because if you have a shadow, then you will be able to determine some properties of the object. That's what we do in inverse problem. And this is a cartoon from the paper of Penry. So Harry Potter here is in the orange ball. And the, this is a section. You take a cross section. And the, in the blue part is the clock. So light comes in, goes around, and when you see it outside the clock, it looks like light went straight through like invisible man. So you're deflecting light like invisible woman, 
And then just changing this index of refraction here so that light will come out in exactly the same way on the other side. How to do that? And what we did in the paper of Greenleaf, uh, with Greenleaf and Lassas was do this for currents, which are some kind of electromagnetic wave. On the left is the picture of the currents. Remember, the problem was to try to recover the conductivity inside by making measurements outside. When you have cur uh, conductivity one, or a constant, currents go straight through, like this. But we built conductivities in this clock here in such a way that the currents go around. And when you measure outside, it looks exactly like the picture on the left. You cannot distinguish between the picture on the right and the picture on the left. So everything you put inside here is invisible. So we want to deflect waves. We want to deflect them around this object by creating this clock here in such a way that it looks the same. When you look from the outside, you cannot tell the difference with vacuum or with air and so on. Okay, so as I said before, the analogy with relativity is, uh, is a very strong gravitational field produced by a large mass in the Einstein theory of relativity light will be deflected. So when you see it, you see a star is at a different position than where, you, where it actually is. And an effect of this is a black hole. A black hole is such that light will penetrate and not get out. And so that's why it's called black, because it's dark. Hawking that passed away recently discovered that there is something coming out, so it's called the Hawking radiation. So what we want to do is create the opposite, and instead of black hole, a white hole, but for light, an optical white hole. So light will go around and not penetrate this object, making this invisible. Again, I repeat, the way you see it is because light will reflect on your eyes. And so the, this is, uh, we want to change the index of refraction. Now, what is the index of refraction? I will write very few equations. This is a public lecture. This is one of them. The index of refraction is the speed of light in vacuum divided by the speed of light in the medium. So the speed of light is different in different medium. In air, the index of refraction is almost the same as vacuum, water is higher, the index of refraction, and glass and so on. Diamond has many beautiful properties because of the high index of refraction. So light will reflect and light will refract. So Fermat has a, is, what is light? Has a very important theory of light, it's called the ray theory. You have an index of refraction light will try to go from point A to point B in the minimum amount of time possible. But the time depends on the speed. The distance is velocity times time. So it depends on the, the time will be different for different index of refraction. So here the index of refraction is very low to very high. And so the, the light or sound or other ways will bend to get from point A to point B in the minimum amount of time possible. It doesn't go in a straight line. And this type of index of refraction happens in nature. So in this, the Fermat's uh, theory of light explains many things. For instance, when you see a fish in the, and the water is not in the position that it actually is because light refracts. It's like when you put the familiar experience when you have a straw in a water, in a glass of water, when you see it, it looks like broken, but the, the straw is not broken, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an optical illusion. And that's what we want to create, an optical illusion. And this index of refraction that I showed earlier, it happens in a mirage when it's very hot, 
surface, the index of refraction is very low, it increases it. So when you think you're seeing water, you're actually seeing the skies because light will be curving. So that's what I was saying earlier, changing the index of refraction, you want to bend light in a particular way. So now we, hope we go to the idea of uh, transformation optics. It's a very simple idea. Here you have a point. This is virtual space. Here is physical space. You want to make the blue fish inside this ball or Harry Potter. I didn't draw Har Harry Potter here, invisible. And you want to bend the path of electromagnetic of waves of light. You, bend, you want to bend it like this. So you, you want to go from here to here. A point is invisible. You cannot see a point in three dimensions or in two dimensions also. You cannot see a point. So what I want to do is transform this point to this ball so that the ball corresponds to the point. The photo will be anything you put inside here will be like a point, invisible. That's the idea. So take a point, blow it up to a ball, so this rays of light will be bent around, and then this object will become invisible. That's a very simple idea. And this, let me show you a movie how this is done. So this is a point, and you can see the curves going around. Here, this is what we want to do when you do this transformation. This is why it's called transformation optics. You are transforming, a, going from a point to this ball that contains the object that you want to make invisible. Okay, so we're going to apply this to the wave theory of light. The ray theory of light, Fermat theory, explains many things, but many phenomena it doesn't. The wave theory of light, developed by Maxwell based on work of many people, including Faraday, Ohm, and so on, is to postulate that light is an electromagnetic wave. So it's, this is the electric part, and this is the magnetic part. And the parameters, every, every object has an electric permittivity, magnetic permeability that tells you how much electricity or how much magnetic field is being conducted. And this is the index of refraction, square root of epsilon times mu. So the fact that light is an electromagnetic wave is one of the great synthesis of science of all times. It has led to many technological applications, radio, television, computers, that the fact that light is an electromagnetic wave. And the speed of this electromagnetic wave is the speed of light. And, and this, this is the second equation I'm going to write. And doing this transformation, we find exactly what the electrical permittivity and the magnetic permeability and therefore the index of refraction, remember the index of refraction is square root of. So that's what we found. Exactly what the index of refraction has to be, the epsilon and the mu. We have formulas for it. You don't need to know this. And this is the effect is bending the currents around in our 2003 paper and the paper of Pendry et al. bending light around here making this invisible. So we have a recipe, a blueprint. We know exactly what the index of refraction has to be to create this effect by using transformation optics. And this is based on our work. So light is coming in. Now the waves are coming in and go around, and when you see them on the other side, it looks like the waves are starting in. And this will happen in every possible direction. It's not just the rays of light, but the waves. You can do many things with trans this idea of transformation optics. It's very powerful. 
So I can transform myself into, uh, you know who this is? <laughs> he has been named twice the sexiest, uh, by People Magazine, the sexiest man alive. So I can, I can make myself look like him. <laughs> of course, that doesn't mean that I, I, I will be like him. It's an optical illusion again. I can do many things with uh, uh, this idea of, uh, I will mention some others uh, very soon. The, but there is, this is the theory. So we have a theory that tells, I can tell you what the material has to be, properties of the material of Harry Potter's clock to make myself invisible. Can I do it in practice? And this uh, is related to the field of what's called metamaterials, beyond materials. You cannot find these materials, the materials that we need in, on nature, they will be invisible anyway. <laughs> so you have to manufacture them artificially. So this is a subject that has been uh, developed a lot in the, in, in the last 20 years or so. And it's these metamaterials that have been many uh, developments in that to create uh, special materials that have properties that are not found in nature. And in particular, clocking is one of them. We want to control electromagnetic waves, light, sound, seismic waves, and so on. So this was named the, one of the 10 insights of the last decade by Science Magazine because of its importance. One of the few, I think maybe the only one in physics or mathematics. And uh, this has been done very effectively for sound waves. So suppose you want to create a perfect concert hall. So no sound goes out and no sound from outside penetrates. And Shang, there are many Shangs in China, is Xiang Chiang. He became a recently president of Hong Kong University. And his, uh, in his lab, he uh, developed the, this very simple acoustic metamaterial made of plastics and holes that will deflect using the, the ideas I just told you, deflecting sound in this case, using transformation optics. Deflect sound around and that doesn't penetrate, creating uh, this effect. So this will, this will likely be one of the first applications you will find of this idea of transformation optics. The acoustic waves are easier because to manufacture because the frequency is much lower than light. Light has very high frequency. And for clocking, David Smith and his group built a first metamaterial for making objects invisible at microwave frequencies. And your microwave functions is, uh, uses electromagnetic waves. They have certain frequency. And this was uh, built very cleverly by using some circuits in this form that have the, uh, the magnetic permeability and the electric permittivity that we need to make this object deflect waves. Remember we had this picture of the waves going around and they had a very large copper cylinder here in the middle that make them invisible. And this uh, the movie was in YouTube for a long time. I don't know why it still is. The movie of the waves coming in and being deflected around. So this was experimental evidence. And for light, it was, these authors did it for two-dimensional, very flat surfaces. And Harry Potter's clock will look like this today. Of course, it will be very different 20 years from now. Computers, remember, were, I don't know, you probably don't remember, some of you were huge machines. 
And now your phone is more powerful than all the computers in the world 50 years ago. So there will be something like this. The material I just had, and here in the middle will be Harry Potter. Other applications have been, is the opposite of what we just did, is to create artificial black holes in the laboratory. Remember, black holes trap light and they don't let it out. But of course, we cannot do experiments with black holes in the universe. However, you doing the opposite of what we just did, using also transformation optics, but the opposite, you can trap light so it doesn't go out. And these are the authors who did experimental work on this. And it has been proposed for other kinds of waves. You can try this method. It's very powerful, very flexible, and very simple for water waves. It has been called tsunami clocking, and the idea is that waves, water waves, don't penetrate a certain object. And you build this pilar similar to what we had before, so water will be deflected and not penetrate this object. This has been done in the laboratory, of course, not at the scale of cities and so on, to have tsunami clocking, maybe in the future. And one application that interests me is earthquake clocking. As I mentioned before, earthquakes are seismic waves. You want to build, to, find, to put the material in such a way that the seismic waves, earthquakes, will be deflected and not make, do damage to buildings or other objects. And again, there are experimental material that has been done using transformation optics. But this also at the frequency of the earthquake, which is 50, 50 hertz. Okay, so let me finish by making another analogy with relativity. It also has attracted the, inter the interest of humans for, for a while, the, the possibility of traveling in, a, in, in time. Can you go to the future? It's very difficult to go to the past, but the future might be possible by, by going through a wormhole. A wormhole is a has been predicted by the general theory of relativity of Einstein's, called Einstein-Rose wormholes, but they have not yet been found. Gravitational waves were only found three years ago. So what are wormholes? It's a shortcut in space-time. You can, instead of going around like this, you can go directly through. So it will facilitate going into the future in time. So this is one of my favorite science fiction movies, is Contact. It's a simulation of what a wormhole will look like. Of course, nobody knows. They have not been found, but it's an interesting it's science fiction at the moment, but it may, be, it may happen. So what we have done is built electromagnetic wormholes has been called by Scientific American Harry Potter's Invisibility Sleeve. So how could you construct a device that functions like a wormhole for electromagnetic fields? So we want to have this uh, shortcut for electromagnetic fields, for light, not for uh, gravitational waves. So this is what we're going to do. Instead of blowing up a point, we blow up a line to a cylinder. You have this cylinder here. And then this cylinder will be completely invisible. You will have light coming in or other waves coming in, and you, you create an effect that you know what's coming out. So you create a secret connection between two different points in a space. You can encode what's coming out, but this is completely invisible. So these are simulations. Light here goes around, and here inside can go can do anything that you want. Can wiggle around a lot, 
can come back, can stay inside, anything that you like. So for instance, this is the end of a wormhole, and end of the wormhole is a sphere, the other end of the wormhole, you have a wormhole here, it's over an inch in its chessboard and under the blue sky. So you can create many different effects, some of them very quite beautiful, by doing this uh, transformation optics. And here it's wiggling a lot. And this, has, this idea of doing electromagnetic wormholes has been realized experimentally very recently, three years ago, for a magnetic wormhole. So you have a magnetic field, and it's in, this part, the, the part, other part of the cylinder is invisible, and then a magnetic field is produced out. And you can encode again what's coming out. What to do with a wormhole? This is uh, from Nature News. I, I just repeated it here because it's hard to read. Let me mention just, uh, 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 since I should finish very soon, a couple of things. For instance, three-dimensional video displays. You can have it in three-dimensional uh, video here. All the cables will be completely invisible. You can only see what's coming in and what's coming out. So you can encode coming in and what's coming out, and this will be completely invisible, all the cables around. You can have a virtual magnetic monopole, meaning you have a magnetic field, and this has been realized experimentally, as I pointed out before, and there is a magnetic field coming out. And all of this part is invisible. You can have scopes for magnetic resonance imaging. I will talk, I'll talk about magnetic resonance before that produces a very strong, that needs a very strong magnetic field. But you can, using this uh, electromagnetic wormhole, you can shield the scopes from the magnetic field, so you can use it for, for imaging the inside. MRI, magnetic resonance imaging, is a very powerful imaging technique. There are many other type of applications that you can imagine. And an amusing one was suggested by these two authors. You can watch your back. In the following way, you have bifocals. Half of your, half of your glass is in front, and the other half is attached to an electromagnetic wormhole, which is invisible. But however, you can see everything that's happening in your back. It, that might be useful for some people. <laughs> you can watch your back. Okay, so I'm, I'm asked often the question, will be able to, to see this uh, realized in the near future? Who can predict the future? Uh, who would have thought about uh, computer? You, know, you, you could have a computer in your in your pocket 30 years ago. So all the applications that have come out of it have been completely unbelievable. So like Arthur Clarke said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So Maxwell will come back and see all the applications that have come from his equations, that he will be absolutely amazed, unbelievable. And then you can use uh, your imagination to find applications of these ideas. I mean, the young people here in particular, maybe clocking would not be the, the most important one. The, the fact that you can manipulate electromagnetic waves, you can bend them in a way that you want, surely will have applications in the future. So what we have done in this lecture is uh, make uh, an analogy between the Einstein theory of gravitation and Maxwell's theory of light. And uh, we have created, in some sense, a strong gravitational field but in Earth, but it's for electromagnetic waves. So we have gone from, using transformation optics, we have gone from Einstein to Maxwell. Okay. Thank you for your attention. Okay, yeah. So
Thank you very much. That was an absolutely engaging and amazing talk. Um, we do have time for some questions, and we have a roving mic. I do ask you that you wait until the mic gets to you before asking your question, not only so that other people can hear it, but because, as usual, we do record these events for people who couldn't make it. So that way you'll ensure that you are recorded for posterity with your question, and so we know what we're answering. So does anybody have any questions? Thank you very much. I was wondering um, photographs you showed with half of your hand invisible and so on. What, were you using an actual device no, of, no. made out of metamaterials? No, that was no. a Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> That's another way to make things invisible. So, just, there's another question. Rain, this that was required by these metamaterials if you were going to obscure something. Right. You, you so you need an index of refraction below one for this close to zero. So that's why it's very difficult to, they're very difficult to make. In nature, you cannot find these that are always bigger than one. So the, the difficulty for light has been that the light has much higher frequency, for instance, micro, than microwaves or sound. So, but however, the, uh, there is a lot of uh, experiments being done right now, and now you can make of objects invisible at light, frequencies of light for very small objects. But for the objects that you need, large objects has not been done. In three dimensions, in two dimensions has been done. That's a question. Thank you. With your invisibility cloak, if you have the light outside, it goes around the object. What happens if you have the light inside the invisibility cloak? What happens then? Right, this is a good question. So because it's, uh, 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 it's related to the question of why would Harry Potter want to do this? Because he cannot see anything from the outside. No, they can see him, but he cannot see anything from the outside either. However, in practice, there is a little bit of light coming in. You cannot make something exactly vanish equal to zero inside. It's a little bit, but you cannot see it. So what we have done is create devices that can amplify that wave to make it bigger, but stay, still stay invisible. So you can create a device inside and still be not be visible from the outside by creating a sensor. I had a movie about that, but I didn't show it. Creating a sensor that will amplify light the light can, comes out, or you can have your own device inside and not be seen from the outside. This is a, a good question because the question is whether you can have a source inside the clock. You can. So, just asking. So, if you could put a sensor inside that could amplify the light waves that are coming in, couldn't you also do that on the outside, which would then render the possibility of an invisibly, invisibility cloak invalid? So you know how you're talking about you could put a sense on the inside to magnify the light that would come in. Couldn't you also put a sense like that on the outside so you could notice things that were invisible? Yes, you 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 would have to put a, another sensor outside to to do this. Yeah, you could in principle. Yes, it's the same. It's the opposite. The opposite uh, situation. But, uh, of course, you will have to know that something is being made invisible. But one of the points of this is nobody knows that you are making a, trying to make an object invisible. You will have to know a priori that you are trying to make something invisible and the frequency of that wave, the waves that it's working for, and then you could possibly create a device that will make it visible, in theory. And we've seen that in yeah. Star Trek too, possibly. Yes, yeah. It will be hard to do, but it's in theory it's possible. That's another question at the back. Uh, is it theoretically possible, or is there any way you could extend this to um, particles in general, like humans? Yes, yes, you can. 
They say, we have a, there has been several developments in quantum clocking. So you can not only, uh, if I understand your question correctly, you not only can clock sound waves, earthquake waves, and so on, seismic waves, but quantum waves, matter waves. And this is, of course, at a very small scale. It's harder to build. Yes. yes. Another question? Um, we've all been talking about making things invisible, that there is another light source, an external light source that gives light to the object that's being invisible. What if we cover, uh, cover the light source with the invisible? Uh, so this is related to the question I was asked before. Suppose you have a light source inside. Is it what you mean? Uh, kind of like a sun or whatever. Right, right. Then you can, you can, uh, you have to do something extra. You have to build another material inside to make it not go outside. Yeah, so you can, and this is called a source. You can have a source outside or inside, doesn't matter. At the back, just two rows behind. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering, um, I still see a problem, uh, as you mentioned, with these refractive indexes. You can never get them down to zero. Are you, um, if somebody kind of, in a, in a military situation, for example, on a battlefield, if you've got an invisibility cloak and you're kind of moving around at different angles, you know, in, in a different uh, relationship to, like, uh, a light source, say the sun or whatever, um, you're still going to kind of show up probably to the naked eye, I would think, and certainly to uh, um, sort of electronic... Uh, uh, sensor technology. So, just wondering uh, if there's any thought about the possibility of uh, more liquid substances that could uh, adjust in real time, adjust their refractive index in real time um, when, say, they know they're being viewed from a particular angle. So, therefore, they can actually move. And in relation to that source, you want to stay invisible from the refractive index of the material could adjust. Theoretically, obviously, this is very tricky to actually accommodate that uh, movement. Right. Uh, uh, transformation optics uh, assumes that you have a, an object can be moving, right? You can move in and still be invisible. However, uh, you are asking a question, the, uh, a very interesting question, and uh, transformation optics may not be the right method for that. But you could build a material that's, because you have a particular light source, and you want to do it in a, in, without this problem of the index of refraction being so small. And, uh, there is this, uh, another idea which is uh, to create uh, anomalous resonance, it's called, just for that. So that may, but it's very unstable, so far it has been proven to be a very unstable method. It's very hard to do in practice. Uh, so there has also been, by the way, related to your question, there has also been clocks done in space-time. Not only you, you, you want to uh, make something invisible, but you can want to erase from history an event in space-time. Of course, this is very hard to do, and it has been done <laughs> in experiments for very, very small amounts of time that you couldn't notice it. I had a picture in my, in, I didn't show all the slides where uh, a detective, somebody robbed the bank and the camera doesn't show anything. What happened here? <laughs> so an event was erased, a complete erased from history. <laughs> I, 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 it's a good thing that one wasn't recorded. I, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else have any more questions? There's another one down the bottom here. Hi, I noticed in one of your slides that you, um, well, the caption said there was broadband cloaking of, I think, water waves. Um, I was just wondering how frequency dependent are these uh, designs usually? Yeah, it's very frequency dependent. The, the materials are, that are being constructed, the metamaterials, are done at the, at the wavelength. It's smaller than the wavelength. 
So the, the higher the frequency, the harder it is to do. You, you are in the nanoscale now. Nanotechnology, for instance, will produce some of these things. So the higher the frequency, the harder it is to make. So far, I mean, the way it's being done right now. So for, for sound waves, that's why it's easier, because the frequency is lower. Sure. Microwaves is higher, but still uh, it's lower than light. And for light, it has not been done at a large scale yet. And fortunately, it's harder and harder, because can you imagine what will happen if we will make an, an object invisible to X-rays? Then you could, you could make invisible many, every, anything, go through an X-ray, and that, that can create a lot of problems. Any other questions? I think people, there's a question in the middle here while people are thinking about which events they wish to erase from their past. Yeah. Um, your examples you showed in your presentation, they were all either circular or spherical, the objects yeah. were... It doesn't have to be. Yeah, it does, doesn't have to be? It doesn't have to be. Mm. I just, that's the easiest uh, mm. geometry. It can be me. I showed a picture of me being transformed into George Clooney. <laughs> Thank you. So the days of plastic surgery are over. If there are no more questions for now, let us thank Professor Ullman again for a delightful talk. Thanks for listening to the Sydney Ideas podcast series. For more information about our upcoming events or to listen to more podcasts, head to sydney.edu.au forward slash sydney underscore ideas.